The Pedestrian by Ray Bradbury. We have been recommended to check this out as apparently it is being assigned a ton in schools. And wow, I understand why now. <laughs> Let's go on a long walk into dystopia. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Codex Cantina where I am Una. And I am going to take the bus crypto. <laughs> if you are new to the Codex Cantina, we go heavy into detail in the stories that we read, bringing out some of the themes and hidden interpretations. If you are down for discussions like that, please consider hitting the subscribe button. The Pedestrian is a science fiction short story by American writer Ray Bradbury. This story was originally published in the August 7th, 1951 issue of The Reporter. It is included in the collection the golden apples of the sun now, ray bradbury was a speculative fiction sci-fi writer and his inspiration for this is quoted as coming from when he was in los angeles and walking along with a friend in 1949 and on their walk a police cruiser pulled up and asked them what they're doing bradbury remarked putting one foot in front of the other and i guess that did not go over so well with the police officer and that kind of inspired this story Hey, I'm walking here. Okay, so for plot in a television-obsessed society, Leonard Mead does the impossible. He goes for a walk. <laughs> He's alone, and sidewalks are reclaimed by nature as everyone stays at home with their viewing screens. He's stopped by a robotic voice coming from a police vehicle. He's asked about his intent and purpose for being out. But they don't satisfy the last police vehicle in the city of three million people. He enters the vehicle where he learns there is no one else manning the, the ship there. And the vehicle believes he's a candidate for the Psychiatric Center for Research and Regressive Tendencies. The vehicle takes him off, but passes his home. End plot. Ooh spooky. Alright, so when I looked at this, it seems like there's several reasons for why why a lot of people like to look at this right now. This is, this is a very topical story right now that has a lot of different things that we can branch off into. Therefore, we, sh we can't cover everything, but let's talk about maybe some of the more popular ways of, of analyzing this story, right? So the opening lines, to enter out into that silence that was the city at 8 o'clock of a misty evening in November. That was what Mr. Leonard Mead most dearly loved to do. So this is a great piece to start talking about freedom. It very clearly, unapologetically, in the opening part here, talks about what he loves to do is to just walk. He That's that's his jam, okay? And that's just what he <laughs> likes to do, right? Yeah, yeah. This is what he prefers and enjoys compared to what everybody else has been kind of doped into of enjoying television. It's the intersection of legal and lawful, but in this universe, it's strange, right? Because... We have some quotes where he was alone in the world of AD 2053, or as good as alone, because he's not alone, right? It says that the city has 3 million people later on, so he's not technically alone, but I think you're meant to, in a figurative language perspective, make that he's doing something different from what everyone else is doing, and we have lots of other figurative language in the story that kind of reinforces that, where as he's walking, they'll say it is not unequal to walking through a graveyard where only the faintest glimmers of firefly light appeared in flickers behind the windows. So why would they be comparing him walking through a graveyard right now? The tombs ill-lit by television light. So we're starting to get a glimmer into what are these people doing in their home that makes Leonard seem alone. And they're distracted, obsessed, 
to stay at home and watch these viewing screens, television screens, right? This is the 50s, right? You can't help but assume Ray Bradbury is throwing a little punch at at TV screens because that's taking away short stories, right? People stopped reading short stories and started watching TV. And he's kind of taking a little punch at it that these people are dead. They're lifeless. It's not as exciting as... Hey, look at me. I'm writing a short story. My name's Ray Bradbury, right? Yeah, you can definitely see that he's trying to take a punch at technology, I think, as a whole, that it is limiting people and that it is kind of sapping their life away and that they're glued to these televisions and that when you watch TV, you turn off all the lights and you just have this little dim glow that maybe can be seen through the curtains or the cracks of doors. And it's very, very ominous a feeling that it's giving off. And I think Ray Bradbury does a great job here of uh, taking that swing at technology that it does something negative to you. It can be positive, but he's pointing out the negatives if you become obsessed with it. Right. So is everyone just watching their favorite show? Is that what's going on? Well, we have this quote, he stumbled over a particularly uneven section of sidewalk. The cement was vanishing under flowers and grass. So this is kind of showing you as a reader, nobody walks outside. This is what Leonard loves to do, but nobody else does it because they're all sucked into this TV viewing screen culture at home. It's kind of, here's Leonard and what he loves. Everybody else loves watching TV. They're at ends with what their desires are in a sense. So the social norm in this universe that Ray's created is staying at home and watching TV It's still legal and lawful to walk outside in theory, right? Just kind of like it was legal and lawful for Ray Bradbury to be walking down the street when he was pestered by a cop because the cop didn't like what he was doing. And that's what we're about to see in this story, right? Yeah, exactly. So he's going against the norm. And I think this is kind of a cautionary tale of like today where so long ago, it was normal to say, go to a bar to try to get a date or something and chatting online was seen creepy or you had a you know internet girlfriend or boyfriend and now the reverse is true and it's become the norm that you date on tinder or you date on an app or you go online to find dates and going to a bar is like oh you know you met in a bar that's weird and the roles have reversed just like they have in this story so as he's passing by the tv i'm going to point out there's a couple of interesting things on the tv it says that there was there's some talks about the calvary so a war And then they're also talking about a dozen assorted murders. Now, that seems directly in contrast with the next part of the story, where they talk about how there are three million people in the city and there's no longer a need for police. They defunded the police because (laughs) the money was better served elsewhere, right? The cops don't need to be there to stop lawbreakers. That's literally what's happening in the story. But yet on TV, they're romanticizing or fantasizing that these wars or dangers still exist for some reason. I thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah, it's kind of crazy here how he is nailing it almost exactly what's happening today in our society with police issues and with society thinking of where do we need to fund what with, you know, military spending and health care and helping people out. Uh, he does a great job of predicting the future. It's kind of scary. There's a good cautionary tale that we should definitely reading, and I can see why this is becoming so popular for young people to have to read. Okay, so everyone's becoming antisocial, and I guess I have to ask the question, are we automating the police in this story? Yeah, I think so. Uh, I think that Bradbury is trying to say that technology is 
supposed to bring us together, but it actually is the means of which we become antisocial with each other as we don't need police officers. We don't need to interact with one another. All we need is our technology. We sit in our home in our little bubbles and interact with our TVs, and that is going to be enough for you. I also wonder, too, can this police officer appropriately interpret the law without empathy, without human reaction, right? Have you heard about First Amendment audits? Yeah, this is kind of scary that you could think that just because you're doing something that is anti-normal, that it could be infringing upon your First Amendment rights because the robots are automatronic and they don't have the interpretation that a human might and that they're going to take away your First Amendment right if something is simply walking down the street. Right. So you have freedom of passage and in public you're allowed to do that unless there's exigency reasons, for example, right? And you, you can go on YouTube and you can search First Amendment audits and there are people that'll take do strange things, like take pictures of a jail. Like that seems suspicious. The police officers can come out and ask you what you're doing, but they can't stop you. It's a legal and lawful activity that can't be prevented from the United States perspective. And that's exactly what Ray Bradbury experienced walking down the street when he was stopped and, in a sense, harassed by a police officer. It seems incredibly relevant today where here's Leonard Mead. This is what he loves to do, getting fresh air and walk out. But it's strange in this universe. So can a police officer really interpret that in an electronic format, right? An automated script doing something abnormal, take him into the regressive tendencies, you know, hospital. It, it, it's kind of interesting the way Bradbury, Bradbury has always been anti or at least leery of technology and the way that it takes from humanity. And I think that ties to your exact point where the more reliant you become on technology, I think what Bradbury's argument here with these TVs and these police, you know, robotic police officers is that it takes away some of the humanity too the more you give to these electronic resources. I think that brings us to two really good questions that we can bring up here. And for first to stay on topic with your robots here and feelings is, are the robots more like drones and that there's some guy back at the police headquarters that's controlling it? And that is, you know, it's a camera and he's able to speak through his microphone or his, you know, uh, whatever phone at this place to, uh, the, he's able to speak through his microphone at, at the, the station and then actually be able to you know talk to the citizens out there because there's nobody out and about they only need one car and the guy actually doesn't even be in the car well it doesn't i don't know if it matters because that person's interaction is now with technology in the same way the people at home on their viewing screen are experiencing the news and these tv shows through technology and i think that's kind of Maybe where Bradbury is going with this is that you're giving up some of your empathy, up some of your humanity, the more you do that. Oh, exactly. And I think that without somebody manning the robot, it leads us to our second question is, why is he being profiled this way? And I think one of the biggest things is we don't know this man's race. We don't know really much about him at all, except that he's going against a norm of society, and that deems him to be suspicious those are right. some other really good questions that I think are very relevant today in 2020. Right. There's there's clearly no indications in the story or reason to assume it's because of that. But at the same time, what makes you different? Whether it's your activity like Leonard Mead and doing something that you shouldn't, or if you feel like, hey, here's someone who looks different 
from the people that I know and and understand, like maybe that's profiling, right? In the same way that Mead is being profiled of, you don't act the same way as everyone else. There's something wrong with you. We're going to take you to the regressive tendencies. And that's a very hot topic today. Yeah. And I think too, is that he's acting different. And that's something that leads, you know, a police officer a robotic police officer, either or, to, you know, start judging somebody immediately. But as human creatures, and I tell my students this all the time, we judge each other initially on what we look like, the way that we're dressed, the way that we carry ourselves. Those are animalistic bases that are in us, and we do that without even thinking about it. And if a robot can't do that, why was it programmed to do that? We've got civil discussions in this. We've got figurative language and exaggeration of death. The, the concept of being different and profiling someone for being different in the story, in a two-page story. I can clearly see why this has become a hot topic to be assigned to students to talk about these issues without kind of hitting the hot buttons that parents will <laughs> be all over teachers for some time, especially for a story from 1950, pre-civil rights. I think this is a very well-written to talk to those things without directly being about those things, if that makes sense. It brings out the prejudices and issues and problems technology and assumptions make on us as people. So I do appreciate this story a lot. Now I'll say if you're if you've enjoyed today's conversation, please consider hitting that subscribe button or enter a, a police emoji or car emoji down below <laughs> if you're to help us out. Now, crypto, what are you gonna give this story in terms of ratings? Oh, solid nine all around. Both both for pleasure and uh, analytical. There's just so much here to digest. If I gave this to a class, it's going to allow them to talk about so many different topics. And what you pull out of the story, I think, is going to say a lot about you and what's important to you as well, as we've seen with so many other stories that draw out your own character. This story is going to do that in just two pages. I mean, you could give this in a 45-minute class to students, have them read it, get in groups of three and four, and have some very deep, meaningful discussions. And I think that is incredible to be able to do in such a short story and such an old story that's such a cautionary tale for 2020. Great story. Great story. I'll go with an 8.5. Highly enjoyed. Agreed with everything you just said. So with that said, guys, we appreciate you spending some time to talk about The Pedestrian by Ray Bradbury today. You know, if you guys would like to join us on the literature discussion, please consider hitting that subscribe button as we post videos two to three times a week. Una out. Peace.